0: Welcome into to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. My name is Henry Chisholm, and today we, uh, we get to talk about the Colorado Buffaloes. What a great day. Um, here's the plan. Actually, before we get to the plan, let me give you some background information. So last time we talked was super late Saturday night. Um, The calendar would try to tell you it's Sunday morning. That's all so dumb. It's not morning until after like 4.30. Maybe at 5 it makes the change. It's all night before then. Um, But late Saturday night, we had the DMVR Buffs uh, After Dark show with our guy Ryan Konigsberg where we talked a lot about the Arizona State game. Uh, from there, and uh, from there, a whole bunch of things have happened, including me staying up super late to write, flying to Denver in time to do a live show at like 9.30 a.m. here, and then going to the tailgate, and then going to the Bronco game, and then my dad was in town, so we went out to dinner and did stuff like that. So I'm still recovering is the point. And uh, the other point is I really did have to sleep in Monday morning before um, all the buff stuff happened. Um, which means I wasn't able to finish watching that Arizona State game. So here's the plan for the week with all of my excuses already laid out. Um, podcast today, we're going to briefly go over that Arizona State game. Um, usually, usually these podcasts where we do like the, the second look after going back and rewatching the game, they're very in depth and very long because I have a lot to say. To be honest, there isn't a whole lot for me to say that isn't uh, you know pretty obvious things that we've talked about in previous weeks. Same issues for the most part. But we'll we'll spend a little bit of time on that. Um, and then also though today was the first Buffs basketball practice. So I was up in Boulder bright and early in time to catch that. Um, a nice little change of pace. Uh, that that we'll we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it is nice to just watch a little bit of basketball in the morning. I uh, had a chance to talk with Tab Boyle. uh had a chance to talk with Evan Batty. Um, and so, so after we wrap up the football talk, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. And uh, then I'm going to play that interview. It's like only five minutes or so with Evan Batty. But people love hearing from Evan Batty because he's fun and stuff. Um, so that's the plan for today probably a little bit shorter podcast because I really want to end the football talk as quickly as possible and then kind of ramp up in the next couple of days um, and then uh, tomorrow uh, there'll be two podcasts one just kind of running through the details from the three buffs media availabilities uh, Monday Tuesday and Wednesday for football I'll have an interview recorded for you guys there too I'm not sure who it will be with yet but we'll figure it out maybe even two who knows Um and then that one will also maybe talk just a little bit more basketball because I'll be talking with a couple of more basketball players tomorrow morning after practice. Um, so that's the plan for that. Also tomorrow will be the podcast with Matt McChesney, which we had to move because he's a busy guy, in case you haven't heard. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Then um, on Thursday, as always, we'll look ahead to the next opponent. I'll wake up super early Thursday morning, watch everything that USC has done this, mo- this week, And then we'll really dig into all of that, build a game plan, all of those sorts of things on Thursday. And then uh, on Friday, we'll do a live show. And I actually haven't figured out who the guest is, um, but we'll be live on YouTube, talking buffs, previewing the game against USC. Um, And then Saturday after the game, we'll be DMVR buffs after dark. We'll be breaking it all down. Hopefully a buffs win. Um, And that's the plan for the week. So there we go. Also. Let's just start with this before we really dig into everything that happened in that football game. Um, Obviously, things aren't going well. Um, They aren't going well at all. Um, And because of that, you know what? We will be spending just a little bit more time on basketball. Uh, But, you know, it's a a tough place. And I get that people are frustrated. And, you know, I, I don't think that my job is to make you more frustrated. I also don't really think that my job is to pretend that there aren't problems um, and to be honest here's how I see the state of Buffs football there's a lot of problems a lot of them are fixable though the question is just how quickly can you fix them you know I think that there's probably four spots on the offensive line where you're pretty disappointed in what you've seen fixing all four of those spots gonna be tough um, on top of that you know Brendan Lewis he's struggled is that fixable this season? I'm not so sure that it is. Um, and that's kind of the one big thing that you look at and say, is is this something we can expect to change for the bus to fix? And that's the only one to me that's like, "Ah, I'm not sure that that is fixable. It could be. And a lot of it isn't even like a process of fixing it. It's just like things need to click for Brendan Lewis. Um we'll we'll talk more about that later though. Um defensively, you know, they can get pushed around a little bit by stronger offensive lines. You know, they got called for some penalties in that last game. The special teams gave up a couple of big returns that were called back for penalties. Uh the the kicker has missed quite a few kicks. You know, there's there's a bunch of problems that if you just go through the list you can see them. But so many of them, like the penalties on defense, I'm not too worried about it. Even the penalties on offense that should be fixable. Do they fix it, though, is the question. It's just that there's, like, these seven things or so that, you know, to, to have a chance against USC, you've probably got to get about five of them cleaned up. And one of them, the 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 quarterback situation, I don't know what you do there. And maybe we'll spend a little bit more time on that. I mean, we definitely will. But that's kind of where I'm at with this football team is there's, whatever it is, these seven things that need to change and we just kind of have to wait and see if they do. And if none of them change, things could continue to be pretty ugly. Um but but in the bigger picture, you know, the season isn't over yet. And this is the one thing that I really do believe. It's it's too soon to call the season because I mean there's we wait all year for football season. If if you're going to say, "Ah, oh, it's all over as soon as there's um a, a tough two-week stretch, well, I'm not going to. You do what you want to do. Um and, and so here's the way that I look at the rest of this season. You know what? You're 0-1 in Pac-Twelve play. And that's all that matters. If you go 0-2, you know, you're 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 gonna need a lot of help the rest of the way. Um and so that's why I think that this is such a big week. Colorado really does need to prove something this week, because if they don't, then all of a sudden we do start talking more about next year and less about this year Um, and so as we kind of like move through this week and then next week's the bye week and then into the Arizona week that's where my mind is at and that's kind of going to be the approach and how we look at things this is the Buffs are still in a a situation where they could win the Pac-12 South Uh, Arizona State is good that's the one team that I'm sold on. UCLA solid at the very least. They might be as good as Arizona State. They also might have played a couple of teams that uh, are a little bit overrated, and they also played Fresno State and lost to them. So there's that as well. And beyond those two teams, the Pac-12 South. I mean USC. I'm we'll we'll talk playing about USC, but I'm I'm not impressed. I think that this is one of the more winnable games on the schedule for Colorado um Utah uh, they lost their quarterback because he didn't want to play for them anymore because they were so bad um and i don't look at them as Pac-12 South contenders at this time Arizona i mean it's it's Arizona guys um and so and so that's kind of the situation is the way i see it Arizona State they should be very much in the hunt for the Pac-12 South title UCLA, uh, they, should, they I mean, you look around, they've got to be the number two, right? Um, but I don't think that it's impossible to pass those teams up, especially with a win this week. And, and so that's kind of what I'm getting to is you've got USC. If you beat USC, you're one and one. You go into a bye week. You get a chance to fix some things, a chance to make some changes if you think that you need to make some changes. You come out of the bye and play Arizona. Uh, you know Arizona isn't going to win a game this season. They lost the game against FCS NAU, and that was the, the one that they were supposed to win. So, I mean, from there you still got Washington, you got to deal with Oregon, you got to deal with. We'll we'll cross those bridges when we get there. But to this point, the season isn't over. They've got three more days to get things into good enough shape to beat USC, and I know that. That sounds impossible because, first of all, Colorado has never beaten USC in the history of these two programs. And secondly, because we've all watched what Colorado has done these last few weeks. But I've also watched some of USC this year. And there isn't a team... Maybe in the country that can't run on that defense um, and they're making mistakes on offense. But the thing to me that gives me a little bit of hope for Colorado is the fact that just about everybody is running on that defense. And you know, like I've said, though, Thursdays, they were really digging in. Let me just give you a couple of these numbers. So, for example, um, they lost to Stanford. And not only did they lose to Stanford, they gave up 42 points. To Stanford. It's a huge number. Um, Stanford put up uh, 141 rushing yards. Um, they uh, were able to go beat Washington State. But, I mean, it's Washington State. And this weekend, they lost 45-27 to 27 to Oregon State. Um, Oregon State put up 322 rushing yards, over 6 yards per carry. Hey, that is still the strength of this offense. And if you get this offensive line fixed this week... There you go. You you will be very much in this game. You know, I, I get that you look at those two scores and say there's just no way that Colorado's putting up 40-plus points. I'm right there with you. But can they put up enough to, to beat USC this week? I, I think that there's a chance that they can. And I don't want to say that this is a 50-50 game, but I do think that they have a very real chance. And again, what have we said all offseason? If they start 1-1 in conference play, they're alive. If you start 0-2, well, that's kind of it. 2-0 was probably a bit of a pipe dream, but uh, now it's just totally off the table, as it should be after that performance. Um, So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Football season is still alive until it's dead, and at 0-2, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be willing to call it dead. And, you know, there will be, like, a backdoor path to make something happen. The Pac-12 is always crazy, so good teams are going to lose to some bad teams and screw up the top of the standings a little bit. On top of that, the top of the Pac-12 South isn't all that strong. And so I think you're going to see more of that than usual. Still, though, you start 0-2, we're not talking about winning this conference at all. Um, you keep it to 1-1, one and one, you build some hope going into the bye week, you've got Arizona after, and... That's the world we're hoping to live in. And, again, you're not dead until you're dead. And they can't die until Saturday. So we're going to take maybe just a little bit of a positive attitude here, which is a crazy thing to say considering the notes that I have in front of me about this Arizona State game. But you know what? There's there's one more week to get things fixed. All right. Um, Should we just get into the quarterbacks? Let's just start with the quarterbacks. Um, Brennan Lewis still not getting it done. I'm pretty sure Jaden Daniels, I th- did Brian Howell tell me that Keaton Slovis has more passing yards in every game this year than, uh, Brendan Lewis has total. I might be screwing that up. It might be the average. Um, he has 842 yards. he's played four games. Oh, but he didn't play most of that uh, game because of the injury. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's just one way to put in perspective how how bad the passing game has been and things need to change and you so far the changes have been simplifying you know trying to make things as clear cut for brendan as possible and and i avoid using the word easy because i don't think that they're making things easier for him because when you say you know is he just He told what receiver to throw to on every play, staring him down and throwing if he gets open. That's not making things easy for a quarterback. It might be the only way that you put together any sort of passing game at this point, but that is not a situation where basically any quarterback would succeed. So here's what I'll say. Brendan needs to get better. He's he's had, what, four flash passes all season, I mean, you need at least four of those a game, and that's if you're actually, like, backing that up with some efficiency on the other throws, you know, taking your check downs, making a couple of short completions, those sorts of things. Then you need 3-4 on top of it, 3-4 deep balls, 3-4 tight window throws, things like that, and he's, he's had 3-4 of those all year. Um, and that's not good enough, and he knows that it's not good enough. And to be honest, I really feel for him because he is not in an easy situation and i've said this here before but it's rare that you see just like uh an 18 19 year old quarterback get thrown into the flames like this because usually at the very least there's a a junior on the roster you know somebody who's been in the program a couple of years even a walk on who you at least have to go beat him you at least have to beat somebody who spent a couple years in the offense has has been around this level of football. And when you don't have that little threshold you have to clear and you get thrown in because there's really nobody else, it just it sucks for the kid. And I feel bad for him, um, but obviously he doesn't have much time to feel bad for himself because he needs to focus on getting better. Um, I've also heard people kind of complain about the coaching staff because of the quarterback situation. I disagree um. obviously, this isn't a good quarterback situation, but you have to think of why. Uh, Sam Neuer, he was on the roster at the end of spring ball, and then he left. And at that point, it's not like you have the option to replace him. Yeah, you can go to the transfer portal, but, but what quarterback is going to say, okay, you've got two quarterbacks competing for a job. This is the school I want to go to. It's a really tough situation to get somebody to step into. And at that point, obviously... The, the portal's pretty picked over. um, And and on top of that, you do still have two quarterbacks who you're happy rolling to a season with. And then you lose one to a season-ending end, injury, and you're stuck in this situation. Um, and part of it is the roster construction. You know, you, you need another upperclassman there, but there just wasn't one on the roster, you know. And you're not going to be able to pull two quarterbacks from the transfer portal in the same cycle. It's just really tough to do. Um, it's honestly just a bunch of bad breaks. Um, if if Sam Neuer knew that J.T. Shrout was going down, there's no way he would have left. There's no way at all. I mean, he's he's sitting on the bench at Oregon State. Obviously, he'd be starting for Colorado right now. Um so there's all that. And you know what we might as well look ahead too. Uh, I, I don't want to dig too deep into this conversation. Because like I said. We're still in this season. And this season is alive until it isn't. And they've they've got at least five more days. Four more days of it being alive. Um, this is the kind of stuff maybe we dig into after that point. But when you look at the quarterback position. Going into next season. What do you have? You have JT Shrout. You have Brendan Lewis. You have Drew Carter. And you have Owen McCown. And those are your four guys. And I think that they probably will go to the transfer portal and add somebody. Um, and I think that who they wind up adding is another guy, kind of like J.T. Shrout, a backup who spent a couple years in another program. Um, and then it kind of turns into a four-way co- quarterback competition. Um I think that it's really easy right now to say, well, we don't want to see Brendan Lewis next year. Uh, look at what he's doing. But if you remember, there's he's not ready right now. He may never be ready, but you don't know that for sure, and that's why he's going to get a chance to compete. Drew Carter, exact same situation. Um, just just because the coaching staff isn't willing to put him on the field right now doesn't mean that they won't be willing to put him on the coach or on the field uh, next season. Um. So yeah, I think that obviously when you look for a quarterback in the transfer portal, you go after the very best one you can get. But I'm not sure that you land one of the top two or three transfers because of a bunch of different reasons. Um, first of all, because there will be competition, but also because you know we can see what the state of Colorado football is, and at this point, I don't think that. Darren Cheverini the offensive coordinator next year. Um, I think there's a real chance that he's not the offensive coordinator on Monday. Or I guess it'd be Sunday because the game's on Saturday. Um, going into the bye week, if you're going to make a change right there, I think that the, the, date, the, the two dates that are most likely are this coming Sunday, going into the bye week, or the first day after the end of the season. And obviously you could... F- fire him or whatever at some other point in the season but those are the two dates that are most likely and at this point i mean what there's <laughs> 80 90% chance 95% chance it's it's getting up there that that Darren Cheverini is fired he needs to turn things around and honestly i think there's a good chance he needs to turn things around on saturday um that change though i think that that would make it easier to recruit some transfer quarterback um, I think that it's gonna be important to get on that quickly. Um because, you know, I we've seen a couple of players go into uh, the transfer portal already. Um in uh Blaine toll just today that the transfer from Arkansas uh defensive lineman. Um and a couple of days ago we saw Lloyd Murray also go to the portal. Um I guess we might as well hit on this stuff too. I saw some people saying like it's it's because they brought Mustafa back or whatever. Um I don't think it is because you just have to think about it. I mean first of all, you, you can't transfer right now and play this season. And so if Mustafa coming back means that you're no longer seeing the field and you want transfer because of it, well guess what? You're regardless of whether you transfer or not you don't get to play this season, and Mustafa Johnson is gone next year, and so having Mustafa shouldn't really impact that at all, because regardless, you're not playing this season. Like you can transfer, you can enter a transfer portal now. You can enter the transfer portal later. I guess maybe if if you thought uh, there's a good chance I'm going to enter the transfer portal at the end of the season, but now I'm not going to play. Like I kind of wanted the chance to go and put more on tape before I decided to transfer. And now, since I'm transferring, then it would kind of make sense just to transfer now and get your name out there. Um, but if that were the case, and you you the plan was to transfer after you put more on tape, well, you're still like an injury away if that's pushing one man out. So so I don't think having Mustafa back impacts that at all. Um, and also, I mean, it's. Interesting to see guys transfer out from the defensive line, right? Because, first, Mustafa's gone next year. Uh, You've got Terrence Lang, who's going to be gone next year. Um, And, uh, I don't know. Um, Getting back to, like, the other situation, the offensive side of the ball. You know, if we're talking about the transfer portal, the receivers are obviously the, the the position that you look to first at this point, um, because they are directly tied to the quarterback. And right now there is no quarterback. And what I was saying earlier was when it comes time to, to hit the transfer portal at the end of the season, you got to grab one quick, um, and, and show that there is going to be a change before anybody else enters the transfer portal. Um, it's the world we live in. It's the world we live in, and to be honest, losing Lloyd Murray, losing, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, come on, I know his name. Blaine Toll. There we go. That's his name. Um, not not like the end of the world, and and we'll see where they wind up. Um, but are they power five? I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's all that on, on, I guess I didn't really dig into the football side with Brendan. You know, he's, he's struggling. Um, some throws are a little bit off target. He did have one really nice throw. Um, it was the first or second drive. It was up that right sideline, um, just over defenders hands into, I think it was Montana's hands. Um, bit risky. He made the throw. We wanted more risks. So there you go. Um made some mistakes on some read options. Um Yeah. I and mean, it's kind of the same thing we've seen. Um actually before we get in the offensive line, let me tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh we love Breckenridge Brewery. They give us beer. They're giving us free beer on Saturday. If you guys are looking for something to do before the game, we'll be up there north side of Farron Field as always. Um I'll be there at 9 a.m. with the beer and there'll be like breakfast all that kind of stuff and the game starts at noon so come hang out come drink some beers um it'll be a good time as always Um, but if you aren't going to the game for whatever reason also check out the watch party at the dmvr bar great place to watch a game for sure have the game sound on all that kind of stuff um but you can also pick up a bunch of breckenridge beers there they've got all sorts of them on tap and yeah They're all good. Uh, You can also use the Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever you want to try. Also, it has been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer, Bet just $1 on any football game this week and receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter whether your bet wins or loses. And this football season, all customers can swing big with DraftKings same-game parlays. Same-game parlays allow you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, place a same-game parlay on any NFL game. You'll be credited up to $25 even if your bet loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And the best part is you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code DMVR to get $150 in in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports and partner of the NFL must be 21 or older colorado only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com/sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 okay um so the offensive line it struggled like i said it basically struggled in about four positions I'm still pretty impressed with Kari Kooch. I think that that's maybe the takeaway this week. Isn't that sad? Like, it seems like the the first week or two, it was like, ah, you know, this this guy, he's struggling. And now it's like, hey, there, there's one. There's one that's got it going. Um, I'm curious what Pro Football Focus has to say because I actually haven't checked on their numbers for a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm going to pull those up just to see what they say about the blocking. Um Okay, so uh Josh Gines. So these these are the season rankings. They've got Josh Jines, number one. Obviously, he hasn't played much. I think six total snaps. Carson Lee, number two, but seven total snaps. After that, they've got Colby Purcell sneaking in just ahead of Kari Cooch. Obviously, Purcell didn't play against Minnesota based on what happened with everybody else against Minnesota, you would think that that would knock his numbers down a little bit. So pro football focus agrees. Kari's kind of the the guy to beat at this point. We've got Casey Roddick up high, um, super high with the run blocking, low on the pass blocking, kind of what we expect at this point. Um, and then you get to Kane and Ray, Austin Johnson, Chance Lytle, Frank Phillip, Jake Wiley, Max Ray, uh, Jared Christian, Lichtenhand, Noah Fenske. So, yeah. Um, the the takeaway is you look at any given play and somebody's getting beat. Um, again, Kari Kooch, the best so far in my eyes. Pro Football Focus, like I said, has Kobe Purcell up there. Um, but it's it needs to get solved, and it's kind of as simple as that at this point. And the details don't really matter. This play is getting blown up in the backfield. There's too much pressure on Brendan Lewis um and that's not a quarterback who you want to be throwing under pressure. Uh receivers again, um it's not the same as Minnesota. I thought that against Minnesota there were open receivers everywhere. Um against Arizona State everywhere is a stretch. I'll also say though that I I didn't have like a good copy of the game this week. It was just like the broadcast version and so You don't get to see too much downfield on a lot of the plays. Um, And so maybe they were more open than I thought. Um, Let's just run through this. Defense lost contain um, a couple of times. Obviously, that's how Jaden Daniels gets outside. That's a tough quarterback to defend. Um, Again, that's Guy Thomas. He... He just isn't quite consistent yet. You know, I think that we talk about those guys who are like, oh, he's a really good football player, not a great draft prospect. Guy Thomas is kind of the opposite of that because he shows you so many flashes that you're just like, oh, wow. And then a couple times you're like, hey, I I can teach him how to set the edge here. Um, Still refining some things in his game, but just so explosive. Him and Carson Wells makes a great combination. And who knows if Carson's going to be back next year. Um, he could have a chance to go to the NFL. He's going to have to pick up the numbers just a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, and, and if he does go, obviously you've got some talent there behind him, too, so you aren't too worried about it. That is one of the areas, I guess, where transfers would hurt. Um, but those are conversations for if the Buffs lose on Saturday. Uh, there's a lot on the line in that one. Um, What else? Anything else really of note? Obviously, Terrence Lang has a couple of penalties, but he's just so explosive. I mean, that's another guy where it's like, if you're an NFL scout watching that game, you say, oh my goodness, I need to get this man on my team. And then we need to clean a couple things up. Um, Without those penalties, it's a very different game. I mean, it's not as simple as taking 14 points off the board, but both of those penalties were on plays that ended a drive um third downs and he extended them. He was also the one on the sack obviously. He was the one who ended the drive. But then the roughing the passer that pressure I think was probably too much to overcome. You could probably say he ended that one too. Um 35 to 13, you take 14 points off, you feel a lot better about that game if it's 21-13. Again, that's not how it works, but things play out differently. Um, maybe they're able to keep it close, whatever. Um, You just can't have things like that, which is, again, not really fair for that defense, but it's the world we live in when the offense is playing how it's playing. Um, I thought the coverage in general was very good. Um, I think that you saw some times where Jaden Daniels was able to extend plays with his legs and... I think that Colorado's corners, you like them against just about anybody for whatever, three seconds, two and a half seconds. Um, and just like most cornerbacks, you know, once once you start asking them to cover for four seconds and then five seconds, it's just so much time for guys to get open, um, particularly on, like, crossing routes when Jaden Daniels would roll out of the pocket and then all the receivers know to fall him across. Um, because they've been playing with him in that style of football for so long. It's tough. It's tough on the corners. Um, so, I don't know. Josh Watts was solid. It wasn't as good as some of the other games, but I think his average was still up close to 50 yards. Um, yeah, I think we can leave it at that for that football game. Just uh, not fun to talk about. But you know what is fun to talk about is this basketball team. And we're not going to dig too deep today. Um, I'll give you kind of like the, the general comments from Tab Boyle. I'll let you hear from Evan Batty. Um, and I have, I have just a broad thought to get to. And then we'll just kind of slowly dig in more and more as we approach November 9th, which is the season opener at home against Montana State, the worst school in the entire country. No, no, worst school in the world. Um, we do not like them. They also have that exhibition, like I said, October 31st at Nebraska. So you can look forward to that too. First though, Hassle Cattle Company. They uh, they have damn good beef. It is Wagyu beef. They call it blue collar Wagyu because they make it affordable for any man or woman in the country. Um, and that's because they ship it all across the country. They take registered bulls, breed them with uh, just the highest type of Angus cow. And it gives you a super high prime product. You can get all the different steaks, of course, hamburger, um, beef sausages, beef bacon, all these different things. And it really is incredible, and you really do need to check it out. Um, Like I said, they ship all across the country. And you can save 10% with the code DNVR10 when you spend at least $200. It's code DNVR10 for 10% off your order and free shipping if you order at least $200 and... uh, that's at hasslecowcompany.com. H a S S E L L cattle company dot com. All right. So Tad, he was in a, he was in a good mood today, which I mean, it makes sense. It's the first day. Uh, I think the first question was like, does it feel like year 12? And he said, nah, this feels like year one. There's jitters and butterflies, just an exciting time. Boy, was that refreshing. Um, Oh, I clicked on the wrong note. There we go. Um, so, you know, I asked him about having so many young guys, and he said, yeah, you have to change your approach as a coach. There's a lot more stopping, a lot more teaching, a lot more correcting, a lot more drills to build habits. And it's not that those things aren't important with a team of veterans, but you just have to show the young players what that attention to detail looks like. Um, you know, you said day one, a mistake happens. You point it out, and then you hope that they learn. But then that carries into day two, and maybe they make the mistake. And then you you, uh, you don't have to correct it, hopefully, because they recognize it before you even try to correct it. And then by day three, hopefully the mistake is just gone. And just going through that process with all sorts of different mistakes with a whole bunch of young players, uh, and just getting them in shape. Um, obviously, they had that trip to Costa Rica. Tad said it wasn't really the level of competition that he'd hoped for, but that's kind of what you get when you go to Costa Rica on a basketball trip. Um, but he did say what was really valuable. First of all, is the time that they got to spend e- with each other, you know, team building that sort of stuff. But then also getting the ten practices um, that that come with. I mean, basically the way the NCA does it is like you have a limited number of practices that can happen a limited number of days before the season. But if you go on an off season trip and play games like this, then you get 10 free practices. And it's just like a way to incentivize, um, I mean, basically student or athletics departments, bringing student athletes to other places and building those experiences. You know, the NCAA, just classic NCAA move doing the right thing for student athletes. Um, that's sarcastic, by the way, but I'm a little bit tired still, so it might not have been clear. Um said so defense is the big thing you got to work on with with those young guys. Um, they're all really good o- offensively. They wouldn't be here if they weren't, but they come from high school basketball. And even playing high school basketball, a lot of them, they don't play, like they don't defend the other team's best player. And so n- not only are they like not going up against the best player on another team who i mean that guy probably isn't playing division 1 basketball they're also not defending him so 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 that's what they're working on and they have to get used to that um what else do we have um oh I I asked him about Evan Batty shooting the ball just because I always think it's fun when Evan Batty throws up a three. Um, that's me, hard hitting basketball analyst. Um, but he said that the way it works, and maybe you guys have heard this before because it, it does sound like I mean this has been a system that's been in place. The other reporters like Pat Rooney I was talking to him after. And he's like, yeah, they've done it for a few years now. Like, to me, it's new and really cool. But um, they have, they it's like they they grade all of the shooters based on how they shoot. Um, during practice, um, and because they can track all that, obviously. Um, and there's green light shooters, yellow light shooters, and red light shooters. The way it works is, if you're a green light shooter, if you're open, you get to shoot a three. Yellow light, if you're open, you can shoot a three, but if you miss it, you're getting pulled out of the game. And <laughs> if you're a red light shooter, doesn't matter whether it goes in or not, you're coming out of the game. Um, that's pretty classic Tad Boyle right there. And uh, Evan Batty, he's been a, a green light shooter for a couple of years, um, three years now. Um, I'll, we talked a little bit about that, so I'll I'll leave the rest of that conversation for later. Um he said that the, the the point guard position is kind of a three headed monster, is how he's approaching it. Um, obviously, Mason Faulkner, the the transfer. Um was supposed to to be the guy who takes over the starting point guard job. Um he entered the transfer portal over the offseason as well. Um and that means you're rolling with the young guys. I think we came into it probably expecting Keyshawn to be the guy, maybe KJ. Um, but Julian Hammond is right in that conversation as well out of Cherry Creek. Um he said all three of those guys are very capable. Um obviously Keyshawn has more comfort level in the program. He knows the terminology and all that sort of stuff because he's been here for a few years. Uh, His comfort level execution level is a little bit higher um, right now than than the young guys, but uh, the young guys are going to be big parts of it. and So it's a three-headed monster right there, which is interesting um, because, uh, particularly with Julian Hammond, I think you probably assumed that KJ was going to be a part of this team or part of this rotation. Uh, It sounds like Julian Hammond will be as well. Um... Oh, uh, Quincy Allen, he had, he had a hip injury. He's out for the season. It sucks. Um, but there isn't much to add there. Uh, Javon Ruffin, he's dealing with like a, a knee thing or something. Tad says he doesn't know how long he's going to be out, but he did kind of hint and say like, you know, you look at Evan Batty, a guy who didn't get to play his, his freshman year. And how lucky are we to get Evan Batty back this season because of that? Okay, so so potentially not seeing Javon this season, potentially, potentially. Um, obviously, nothing set in stone, but um, just kind of hinted at that, which is something to think about. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. Like I said, I had a chance to talk with Evan Batty for about five minutes, uh, so here is that conversation, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.
1: First day was good. Um,
0: yeah. A
1: lot of the young energy. Um, you know, a little hopeful, real, uh, real positive. So, I mean, the first day was good. I am excited. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What's it? What's it like in like the the build up to the first practice? You know, the last week or so. Is yeah. it, Is it just excited? A little bit like, ah, oh, okay, here we go, back in the grind.
1: I feel like I'm feeling all the
2: emotions. Uh,
1: a little nervous, a little excitement, a little anxious. But uh, I know when you know the time comes down to it, we're gonna be ready to play. So. Yeah.
2: what's it like having all those young guys out there it's got to be
1: different it's kind of fun, okay you know they're so competitive and mm-hmm. so full of life, you know sometimes uh having older guys you kind of get into your old ways and kind of like you already know what to do, so it's like you don't really compete as okay. hard, but these guys push push everybody to compete so
2: it's a real competitive group, and uh it's a lot of fun with it being your last year though. Is it, is it kind of tough knowing that, you know, it's not being out there with Ken and all those guys. It's yeah. a bunch of, like, 18, 19-year-olds yeah, you I mean, have to, I, like, work yeah. with to
1: do yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, I miss them, you know. Um, they all they all moved on, you know, to their own endeavors of life. You know, I wish them the best. I love them. Uh, I miss them. But, you know, I'm excited, I'm excited for a new chapter. And um, this will really be a test on, um, you know, how I can spread my influence. I'm on the team, and, you know, among these young guys, and Hopefully for years, years to come, you know, this culture will keep being built. And, um, you know, Colorado basketball is in good hands going forward. So, Anybody in particular impress you today? Uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's a new guy every day, honestly. Okay. Uh, Julian, Keyshawn, um, you know, the whole squad really. I mean, everybody had different bits and pieces of where they did, did good and, you know, areas where they can improve. But, um, you know, all in all, I feel like... Everybody surprised me a little bit
2: today. At some point, so does, does Tad seem any different with this group than the last one? Um, nah, I
1: mean,
2: okay. not that I can tell. He's the same old, <laughs> same old, same old. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we were talking to Tad, and he said that you have uh, the green light to to shoot threes. First of all, when did that happen? You
1: no, know, I think Coach Bull always has always. Um, I mean, my freshman year. So we have, like a, like, a little green light license shooting. Yep.
2: Um, I got the full rundown. Yeah.
1: So my freshman year, I had a yellow light. Okay. Um, so I can shoot sometimes when I'm open. You know, every year after that, I got the green light okay. consistently. Uh, no matter no matter how many threes I shot in the game, I have a green light. <laughs> so um, I think uh, my second year playing, I shot more threes than my third year playing. But, you know, this year I'm not really kind of – force anything, but when I'm open, I'm going to shoot it, so
2: Kay. that's that's kind, okay. of, that's kind of memo. You made a couple today. I did. It, the, so what is that like? Like, for you, if, if you're making them in practice during the week, do you feel better going to the game, or is that not changing? Well, I anything? was recruited
1: as an inside-out guy, yeah. you know? Um, you know, obviously, college college shooting is different. You know, speed, mm-hmm. you know, distance, whatever it is, whatever the case might be, but um, it's different, so... I mean, after three years of adjusting, I'm, you know, I, I feel comfortable. Okay. I feel like
2: I'm in a groove, so when I'm open, I'm gonna shoot it. So. Okay. Um, anything else? You, like, what have you been working about or working on over the off season? Oh, um, really my body, you know, eating right stuff. Yeah, I can um, tell. Yeah, thank
1: you. For sure. Uh, my body, you know, uh, and really not trying to, not trying to leave. So off, not so often, but picking and choosing, not picking and choosing, but determining when the right time is to lead and you know interject okay. and you know really you know spread my influence, and my voice and you know choosing the right time to say like, okay next play, you know so really just kind of being like an old guy you know I'm new to being an older statesman yeah older statesman so, do you like it I, I do you know okay. I like how the young guys look to me for direction mm-hmm. that's you know cause i mean i feel like i'm in a position where i can you know spread some knowledge mm-hmm. and um really you know help them going forward and uh like i said when i leave here i want you know my values i want um my influence
2: to stick with them so awesome yeah. that's good stuff yeah. thank you appreciate that for sure you this
1: again
2: oh yeah it's gonna be a big one